everyone. Hope the time has been passing usefully, and you're learning a few things, seeing a few things, enjoying a few things, um, making peace with a few things. <laughs> I'm trying to integrate, of course, the big ongoing topic is how do we integrate uh, some of the meditation experiences, some of the in-depth experiences into our into our daily lives, and how, do we, how do we open to the sense fields, of which the most provocative is the mind field. The mind field is a minefield, a very explosive stuff, urgent stuff, busy stuff, can't do stuff. Everybody wants me to, I have to, I can't, I never, I always, they always, I always, it needs. All these ways in which this kind of sense of pressure is given a, a subject. <laughs> it's it, it needs, or they need, or they want, or they expect, or everybody asks, or I'm always, you know, who is this person who's bothering me? <laughs> who are they? <laughs> and so perhaps with some meditation we might think into <laughs> Get an insight into that uh, that agency. <laughs> to say it's mine isn't quite correct, but it's intimate. <laughs> Upadana, contracted state. You feel pressure. Heart contracts. Should lose it. Changes into a harder, more driven shape. Yeah, either flattened or scattered, or hardened. Do you know what I mean? When it's scattered into five different could-should-dos, going in different directions, plate juggling. Do you ever do plate juggling in your life? <laughs> you know, five things on hold, two things about to, one thing pressing, something screaming, something bleeping. You know, how do you manage all that? The scattered shape of the chitta. Or the hardened, got to get this done, driven shape. Or the flattened, can't manage it, shape. Mm. And these are all the ways in which jitter can get affected, and that's certainly a big intimate concern. Mm. And what triggers that uh, work, responsibilities, family obligations, things breaking down that need to be fixed, Box telling you you're late. Mm-hmm. Calendars. What, what triggers all that? These signs. Okay, do you get what I mean by signs? They're, they're, you know, they translate it into particular. So we hear a voice, we get some words, we get an exclamation mark, we see a clock, we hear a buzzer bell. That's just the thing, isn't it? in the outside world, and yet, in turn, it turns into a sign, a sign, a defining mark, like, which may be obligation, pressure, uh, in sense of something pressing, you can feel it pressing, pushing. Mm-hmm. And um, then becoming, becoming, it's not, not that easy a word, what does that mean? It means we're shaped in terms of what that pr- 
pressure is created. We become a driven person, or a burdened person, or a scattered person, or a redundant person. Becoming is when that shape becomes an identity. And then that identity, the chitta settles into that identity, so even when the immediate pressure is gone, that identity remains. So even when the buzzer is switched off or the thing has been done, there's a certain retaining of that impression. Of So we, we easily become more sensitive to anything that can, can remind us of that. So even meditation can be another got-to. And, you know, another, oh, it's this time of day I've got to. I've got to. And, you know, get to this experience that I'm supposed to have, I'm trying to have, got to. The same sort of shape occurs. Right? Chitra is, because that becomes, that becomes a fixed identity. And this is very much a, you know, topic for um, people in the, what we call the working world. I mean, I work, I mean, put forth effort. What does work mean? What's it between work and play? What's it between work and doing um, physical exercise? Is that work? What's it between work and um, playing with your children? Is that definitely requires effort and intelligence and you know, care? What's the difference? Mm-hmm. Probably less obligation, less expectation of finished result, end product, less crucial time boundaries. And see how these uh, these qualities, you know, obligation, um, expectation, time boundaries, kind of create a frame with which the chitta gets compressed. And... Uh, of course, in the salaried work, we call it that, when we're producing commodities or being paid for our services, <laughs> then, um, yeah, those boundaries are held with some clear intensity because, uh, you know, the economy is at stake. <laughs> uh, and we know that tends to trump every other concern in our, in our work-driven um, society. Mm. Productivity, capital, capitalist, whereby, you know, there's a lot of pressure to get, get ahead of the game. Competitive work, companies competing against each other, trying to win the market. And we get involved with that particular operation as human beings. So much so that Somebody asks you, who you, you know, hey, you know, what do you do? So I'm a, I'm a plumber, I'm a manager, I'm a, I'm a driver, I'm a waiter, waitress or something. You know? I'm a receptionist, I'm a secretary. No, I'm a, no, I'm a human being, I practice the loving kindness, that's what I do. So often when I go to these borders, when I used to travel to the United States and go to a, these customs, so you have to say 
meet the customs officer, well, what are you doing? And I say, well, I'm, I've come to, I try to generate some space and peace and love in the world. That's my job. And they look at me like, you know, you're trying to be funny? <laughs> so, that's what I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stamp, in you go. You know, it's a good human occupation, isn't it? I'm a space creator. <laughs> How much did they pay you for that? Nothing. <laughs> so this is the spiritual economy. No obligation, no expectation. Just offering, 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 sharing. Uh, and it's one very wonderful to live like that. But for many people, of course, that's 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 not the case. So how do you how do you deal with that? Mm. Right, livelihood's a big topic, isn't it? And certainly, you know, you, it was a as a Buddhist monk. I'm still, you could say, I'm pretty busy in in my in my particular area. You know, obviously, I teach a lot. I'm also right. I support the community however I can. And this is since I resigned. <laughs> Since I gave up being abbot, I'm still, I think, what makes me so busy? Well, I do. Uh, And I check in with that, because it's good, because I don't have to do it very much at all, technically. What was me doing? I feel a sense of service, purpose is important, responsibility is important, sharing is important, that's important for me, if I can. You know, I respond to invitations. I don't go out on the street preaching where people ask me. Well, I think I've got some energy for that. It's keeping in track with that because still one can get that feeling of obligation, expectation. You've got to come up with something fantastic, you know, make everybody happy and get it all working and be the expert in this, that and the other. No, no, I'm just coming to say, no, it seems to me with a heart of goodwill, you know. You can switch off if you like. <laughs> so, uh, but you see, you know that that sense of really looking very closely—not just at the job, but or your your responsibilities—but really, like, very important. It sounds selfish, but what's in it for you? Because if you do, you probably find there is something in it for you. Like most of us want to do something. Um, uh, and it's not just restlessness, it's a feeling of we have a special occasion. We've been gifted this body, this mind. Um, the Buddha was pretty busy, in some respect. Uh, you know, look at all the stuff they've recorded of his teachings. He wasn't hanging around, you know, he was fairly active, engaged. Well, what do you want to, what do you want to do? You know, it's a sense of, in doing something, because you've been gifted this, and there's some potentials here, and can that doing be like something, you're doing it to support your livelihood, your family, your shelter, your, and also perhaps you're doing something, you think, this, this is a nice thing to be able to bring into, into the world for other people. So for my welfare, for others' welfare. This is the way one should 
one should reflect and be careful to to really understand where the obligation and the pressure comes from it's internal it's internal Uh, and it's associated uh, with a certain sense of insecurity lack of stability, lack of openness I'm not blaming anybody for that (laughs) because the personality is not a stable structure it is always teetering and you know, responding this, that and the other so we might try to find a secure job well that may not really be available they would say they're secure until they fire you or they close the close the place down that you're working for of course they say they're secure but they're not the economy's not secure you know currencies values go up and down places are closing down all the time people are going bankrupt all the time you know, people in Britain, homeless on the streets, food banks. It wasn't because they were lazy or stupid. Yeah. yeah, things didn't, you know. So there's no real, real security in that. Uh, stability comes from standing back from that, knowing what your presence is about, your presence is valuable. Anything else from that is your offering. Your presence is valuable. Why is it valuable? Because presence itself has a remarkable stability that has effects on other people. Your stability calms and generates space. Because the less agitation and anxiety and fear and I've got to make it as good as you can for you, less of that's going on, the more we can enjoy that sense of openness with each other. That's valuable. Your presence is valuable. What you do is kind of, as long as you stay connected to that presence, it's playful, it's interesting, it's fun, it's inquiring. As long as you stay connected to that stable presence, there's an openness to well, see how it goes. We'll do as best or as much in accordance with where the energy goes and where we can work things out. And ideally, you know, it's great in, in that context when there's two or three of you holding the same sense of stability and wishing the others to be stable presence. Not commanding them, but not creating those kind of obligations and pressures.
so we can get a sense of then the shared spaciousness is incredibly creative and potent and I think this really is the, the way to go in our, in, our, in our world we can do things uh, uh, we, are, we are human beings we have capacity to do things we have capacity to look after each other we have capacity to get our physical needs met hmm? but the most important thing is there can be this cooperation and based upon open stability now often what I find in my experience is that um, good intention people very good intention people with gifts set up very high standards of what can occur it's a reflex probably to do with conditioning in the workaday world so working together can be that experience of you know really trying to get a really really good job done I'm thinking, yeah, if that's what happens, that's great. Whatever that means. And they'll be looking much more at the, the, the external results, you know, things are happening on time, things are organised well, um, all sorts of stuff is being created and, you know, I'm meeting, you know, and that. Actually, yeah, that's good. If it comes through this open stability yeah that's that's excellent that's wonderful but if we're actually starting to create a pressurized situation where people are working incredible hours to produce magnificent results and we've lost some of that light playfulness that openness that don't know could go this way could go if we lost that have we overshot the mark, overshot the target? And where do these obligations come from? Oh, you know, say we're doing something in a monastery and oh, well, people expect, lay people expect that this, there's a car park and everything's fine, the cars don't get money, do they? Do they? Maybe some do, but do they? And is that even a reasonable expectation? This is a a forest monastery, if you, you know you come here, you're liable to get muddy because <laughs> it's a muddy place. <laughs> and yeah, and it's not like driving into a multi-story car park. You often got to kind of find a place to park under a tree and that's the way it is. And do, do people expect it to be something? I don't know. And if they do, maybe they need to take a check of what they're going to. But you can get that feeling, oh, people will be unhappy because, you know, the ground is muddy or, you know, they get their cars or get stuck in the mud. Yeah, but I'm not going to concrete over the entire monastery so that their cars don't get muddy. I mean, I don't think that's what they want. Uh, maybe we just have to work with it. And, yeah, but they and who is the they that expects it? Well, the they is in my heart 
is my fear of their hostility, my fear of letting them down, my fear of their unhappiness that I have been a source of, and my blaming myself and my sense of guilt and shame and inadequacy. That's what it is. It's not them. It's this. Mm. Haven't lived up to what I should be as a good mother. That's another one, isn't it? I haven't lived up to what I should be as a good son, as a good partner, as a good man. I haven't lived up to what I should be. Who set the benchmark? Where did that happen? And so we can get so concerned at this inner guilt and shame and that we convert it into they want or I'm not enough. I'm not as good as I should be. And that's pretty common, isn't it? But who who says who put who put the mark there? Yeah, maybe somebody else was able to do that. Good for her, good for him. But they probably fell short on a few other topics. Yeah, they were a fantastic whatever it was, you know, athlete or business person, but they were terrible to live with, you know, frantic, obsessive, uptight. Oh, yeah, she was wonderful looking after people, but she's a complete wreck. Compassion fatigue. <laughs> Burn herself out. You know, so, you know, if you've got a blanket that's one metre long and you've got a six-foot body, you're either going to get the feet going to be cold or the head's going to be cold. <laughs> you know, so sometimes it's like we're trying to cover, a, you know, a six-foot body with a three-foot blanket. And maybe the best thing to do is to is to just, uh, you know, just learn to warm your own body. Yeah. So warming your own heart, rather than warming it through getting things right, rather than warming your heart through doing a really great job, because actually you find it probably doesn't warm your heart very much when you get all the things right. You've probably stressed yourself and you're worrying about how it could be better than it was and the minor mistake that you did make and the way that didn't quite work out and how to plan for the next thing and how to plan for tomorrow where you'll do better probably going like that because that's the shape your jitter has taken when it's in that shape in that becoming obligation state it then projects that into the next scenario so we see our lives going along a track of one obligation to the next in which we never quite succeeded. We're supporting an ongoing failure. Yeah, I was great as a, as a, as a manager when meditation's falling apart. Yeah, I was, you know, I was a good brother or sister. You know, I supported them. But I was basically, my precepts were going very rocky at the end of the day because I had to go and have a drink with them or something to keep them company. So, you know, where did the obligation come from? I mustn't let them down. I mustn't let them down. Uh, Obligation fatigue. I mustn't let other people down.
Mm. And you contemplate that. That energy, that's a sankara, formative process. Who's letting who down? The other person isn't getting what they want, maybe. Maybe, you don't even know that. Uh, And are you capable of fulfilling what they want? Is Is that your destiny? You will be able to fulfill other people's needs. Is that is that what you set up? You you have promised. I hereby vow I will fulfil your desires constantly. <laughs> I will be able to do everything you expect of me constantly. Is that is that what you've signed up for? And is that a skillful relationship where you don't start feeling? pressurized and why does she always want me to do this and I've got so much work to do to keep up with her or is it just this is standing my stability I open bring forth goodwill and we'll see what happens that's create the benchmark is right here rather than out there you are in control of it and the benchmark is not a fixed thing it's it's based upon stability openness, allowing energy to move. I remember a friend of mine and she was looking after her, her aged father. You know, she was very concerned for her aging father who was in decline and she was trying to make sure the medication was right and uh, maybe you know, getting the medications correct and everything at the right times, the right place, get it all correct. And then she wasn't certain whether she'd actually made every medication exactly right or in any way you know the father as they do <laughs> passed away and so she had this thought I don't know maybe I could have done better I mean I was his daughter I was his caregiver I could have done I could have done better maybe I could have been there more more often like all day long maybe I could have been there all the time to make sure he was okay and he passed away you know? and she was sitting feeling like this and she was thinking about her father and then she heard her father's voice in her head saying Jill I don't expect you to be perfect you know I don't expect you to be perfect isn't that such a wonderful voice to hear Who expects you to be perfect? You do. Who can't tolerate the mistakes, the forgetting things? You. This is ill will. And we uh, will run a long way to avoid that feeling of Ill will let people down. Not good enough. Mm. You know, to the point where we actually get so intense trying to get it all right that we do start to make mistakes and get clumsy and lose our temper and feel exhausted. 
So this, uh, you know, you've got to keep reviewing that in your life. What happens if it all goes wrong? What happens if it all goes wrong? How bad is it? Because it does. You know, sometimes you're driving somewhere, you really want to get there by 11 o'clock and then get a flat tyre. Or there's a traffic jam. Or any one of a number of other things. And the imagination is, oh, everybody's going to be angry, annoyed, confused, disappointed, let down, you know. Things aren't going to work because I couldn't get there on time. You get this, you turn up half an hour late. They say, "Oh yeah, flat tire." Oh really? That's tough. You know, you get this expression of sympathy and compassion rather than anger and irritation. Oh yeah, you didn't get here, but never mind. Um, you know, Janice stood in for you instead. No problem. Yeah, you spent that time. Or. The other one is, I've got an engagement. I don't want to impose upon you. I don't want to take your time. This is another form of ill will. Mm. And see, mm. that's why this, this cultivation of goodwill has to go very deep into exploring some of these places where you feel constricted, pressurized. Mm. Now, admittedly, you know, the workaday world may not have a lot of goodwill in it, but you never know. You never know. But the important thing is that you don't bring the ill will into your own system, particularly when the work model becomes also the way you model your meditation, your personal relationships, are you good enough for this person, are you doing enough for this person, you know, he's upset, therefore it's your fault, you shouldn't, you shouldn't that shouldn't happen, <laughs> your kids are a bit crazy, it's your fault, yeah. that sense of blaming and so much of it coming back on oneself. Now you're re- returning to that reflectively, what is my certainty here? What is the certainty that I can possibly commit to? I will maintain a stability that is open. I'm not saying you know, I'm going to close everything down. So nobody need bother me. I don't have to do anything. I'm completely isolated rock solid, on my own. No, that's not responsible, that's not where we're at. That's not the nature of this realm. I'm open to whatever anybody wants, any time of day, doesn't matter to me, you know, you can be grumpy as hell, I don't mind, I'm open to all that. No, that's not right. (laughs) Stable and you're open, letting your awareness open with a gesture of Goodwill, sense of non-ill will, 
is to look a little like that. Non-mistrust, non-ill-will. It's open, it's quite gentle quality. Somebody's unhappy, the first experience is one then of compassion. doesn't mean you're going to make them happy, but you receive that compassion. And then from there, maybe there's something you can do. Or maybe just being present in a compassionate mode is the remedy. And the other person receives your presence, your listening, your openness, your non-reaction, your non-judgment. Oh, thanks so much just for hearing that. I didn't do anything. You did. You maintain stability and openness. And that other person's jitter could pick up that sign it's surprising that, you know, you think that reading other people's minds is such a remote possibility. I don't think it is. I mean, you can't read their thoughts necessarily, but you can pick up their moods, or you can pick up what's happening, and you pick up the presence of somebody who's stable and open. And it helps. This is our gift to each other. And it's okay. This is a situation, yeah, it looks a bit crazy. I don't know what we're going to do about this. We'll just see how we can do it and what comes out of it. Do the best, what, what energies we're capable of. So then you're kind of active, but you're not, you haven't got this busyness. Busyness is a pressurized sense. Activity, activity, you know, dumber activity is a light playing, playing with the potentials, teasing them out, seeing which way they're going to go. You know, recognize it can, it can be a, a, much of it's going to be a mistake, because that's the way you learn. Uh, no, well, try that, nope, not that one. Okay, how about, yeah, that's about it, whoops, no. <laughs> no that, that's, that's the norm. So you need a negotiation with what's going on. If you get those skills in your daily life, then that's more or less what you do when you meditate. The two then integrate. You don't find exactly the right system. You don't find, you know, the system's going to work for you constantly every day. But you do perhaps find enough savvy and, and, and know-how as they were yeah, that may be what happens for him or her. Great for them. Maybe they get into this lovely, refined meditation state or feeling joy and happiness. Uh-huh. I'm just going to come into presence. Work with attention, obligation, self-referencing. I am this, I should be that. I'm not as good as, I could be that, I ought to be that by now. I just work with the self-referencing. And using just the system of your body's telling you whether you're getting tense or uptight or drifting off. And then you can do a lot of really useful stuff just staying in that place where you're undoing the self-referencing and understanding it. Because then when you understand it, you know, that feeling of, come on, no, 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 you're not as, you're not as, come on, let's get it going. 
you understand it, then you can <laughs> you see the sign of it, then you can recognize when it's occurring in your daily life. Same thing, there it is again. And as you begin to see through it in meditation, you begin to unplug it in your daily life. And it's really beautiful. I remember doing a group meditation one time. We just get people to sort of sit together in, in twos and threes. And each individual was recognizing, what do you really want? I want to find my own stable presence. Okay. Now, when you see the other person, would you like that for them? I'd like them to find their own stable, open presence. Do you want anything more? Nope. Okay, now when you sit together, just imagine the other person says, whatever you want to be, that's fine. I want you to be your own stable presence, what works for you. Just giving each other permission to not be obliged to come up with something cheerful, helpful, to not help me, to not you know, not be nice to me, to not look good for me. I don't want anything out of you. Yeah. Cut the debt for each other. And we suddenly find, we find real human beings and all their stable presence, but, you know, the outward manifestations can be whatever they are changeable. We're not uniform. We're not all cut out perfect creatures. We're all particular shapes and patterns and mannerisms. That's fine. I'm not bothered with that. I'm not interested in it. I'm not fascinated by it. I'm not disappointed in it. It's just that's how it happens. Giving each other permission for that stable presence. And this is the beauty of, of group meditations. So Something I would very much encourage when this particular session ends, whenever it's possible. This is kind of what retreat centers are for, you know, little gatherings. Just the support of Kalyanamita, spiritual friendship, of people who just want to offer each other and recommend the gift of presence and let the rest of it move and shift as it will. If we do that for each other, we've begun to unplug one of the most fundamental triggers for our sense of obligation and even misunderstood ill will. I expect you to be something for me. That's ill will. That's the source of ill will. Because then you will criticize yourself, strain yourself, Repress yourself. I don't want that. You will commit acts of ill will towards yourself if you follow that message that you have to be something for me. I don't want that. I don't want to support it. And the freeing up, it might find surprising that your meditation acquires a kind of stillness and strength because you've taken, you've taken, you've returned back, you've taken your heart back 
from the confused strategies of obligation and criticism. So let's take some time for direct practice.